Hi, I'm Randall Carver. I'm on on screen and beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 658 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. And can you believe it? 45 years ago, the TV show Taxi debuted on TV. And this week, we have one of the regulars from season one of Taxi. Randall Carver is going to be joining us right here on On Screen and Beyond, and he's going to tell us uh, all about Taxi. He was also in Midnight Cowboy and a whole lot of other things. We're going to be talking about that and a whole lot more, so I hope you'll stick around for Randall Carver coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. And uh, things are moving along as far as uh, getting uh, the merchandise up on the On Screen and Beyond.com podcast uh, site and... I'm working on that and getting very close, and that'll be coming your way shortly. And also, I'm working on a new contest that'll be coming your way, so get ready for that also. A lot of things coming up, so hope you're going to be enjoying it. And uh, we've got a, a, a lot of stuff coming our way, but it's very vague. You know, they're telling us that uh, movies are coming and this person's going to be in it and all this. But the strike isn't over for the actors, and uh, we don't know when things are going to be going. So, But there is some f- movies that are coming our way that uh, I guess they've been made previously before the strike. So those will be coming out, and we're going to give you all that information coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. But let's start off with remakes, sequels, and prequels right here on On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> Please hang up and try again. Remake sequels and prequels. Well, The Color Purple will land in theaters on December 25th from Steven Spielberg. And director of the new Hunger Games prequel says that uh, the books will not be split in two like previous films for The Hunger Games were done. They said they're not going to do that. The book is a complete story and they are going to keep it together. Patrick Stewart says that he would be open to one last film in the saga of the Next Generation crew. And at 83, we'll see what he does with that one. And if it even comes about. Ocean's Eleven's prequel producer is saying that the film is in the works and is set to star Marco Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Reunion of the Barbie movie, I guess. And a possible sequel to Bend It Like Beckham may come our way, according to the film's director. That's it for remake sequels, and prequels. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Alicia Silverstone is set to star in The Bird and the Bee. And that's a sexually charged thrill that'll be coming our way. And let's see, Daisy Ridley and Taz Schuyler will star in Cleaner, and that film will start filming in early 2024. And Kevin Hart stars in the Netflix film Lift, and that'll be coming to the streamer on January 12th, 2024. 
That is it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond, movies and TV on DVD and streaming. Movies and TV on DVD and streaming. Well, December 5th, The Final Adventure comes to 4K, Blu-ray, and DVD with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And it has two hours of extras that they've added onto it. Not the film, but, you know, extras you can watch. And The Last Voyage of Demeter lands on digital, Blu-ray, and DVD on October 17th. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1 flies on to 4K Blu-ray and DVD on October 31st. Gran Turismo, that one is going to be racing our way on 4K Blu-ray and DVD on November 7th. And Equalizer 3 will be hitting 4K Blu-ray and DVD on November 14th. And that is it for movies and TV on DVD and streaming. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and entertainment time. Well, it looks like Apple TV Plus's For All Mankind Season 4 will be arriving on Friday, November 10th with 10 total episodes, and that'll be be released through January 12th. And Shorzy Season 2 comes our way on Hulu on October 27th, and the highest-rated episodes of Kojak uh, with Telly Savalas will show up on Get TV October 23rd to the 29th for Kojak's 50th anniversary. And sadly, Mark Goddard of Lost in Space, who was a past guest here on On Screen and Beyond, has passed away. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to sit down and talk with one of the original cast of Taxi, Randall Carver is coming our way on its 45th year since it's been released. Randall Carver right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, our guest has been in There Will Be Blood, Norm, Murder, She Wrote, The Six O'Clock Follies, The Love Boat, Emergency, and more. 45 years ago, he was part of the cast of the hit TV show Taxi as it came on the airwaves for the first time. It's Randall Carver. Randall, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you, Brian. I'm glad to be here. Now, Randall, I'm showing my age when I say airwaves because a lot of people now, it's, you know, it's like streaming. That's what it is. It's not airwaves, but, you know, showing my age. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. I, I like airwaves. It seems sort of pretty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Randall, it, it's uh, so nice to have you here. And sure. Taxi, I mean, you were part of this show that just kept going and going and, and getting bigger and bigger, and it had an amazing cast. Uh, does it seem like it was 45 years ago? No, a lot, in a lot of ways, it seems like it was last week. <laughs> <laughs> but it was that far ago, long ago, and there's been a lot of uh, water under the bridge since then. <laughs> but uh, I'm, uh, I'm glad to have done it, and I had a great year and got to work with some of the best people in the business and hold my own. And uh, I was very happy about that thing. And I went on to do some other things yeah. as well. Yeah. Now, 
starting with Taxi, uh, we're sort of, going to, sort of going to bounce around a little bit here because Taxi wasn't your first thing, right? I mean, you had done other things before that. That's right. That's right. My first job was uh, one line in the Midnight Cowboy. And uh, they were shooting that in Texas, and I had read a blurb in the paper that part of Dustin Hoffman's new movie, The Midnight Cowboy, will be filmed in Big Springs, Texas. And so I would drive to Big Springs and meet people when they would fly in from New York that were involved in casting. And so that's how I uh, got my first role. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. showed up and met them when they would come in from the airport and sign in at the Ramada Inn. And I was there in the lobby with my 8x10 glossies, and I would come to them and, uh, and say, Hi, I'm uh, Randall Carver. I just graduated in theater from West Texas State University, and I'd be interested in being involved in this if possible. And so I did that about three times because they had three different people come on three different days. And so I would drive to Big Springs, which was about a 250-mile drive from where I live. Wow. And uh, I'd go drive down there and see them and see those people. Sure enough, they called me in uh, to be uh, kind of – it was almost like a receiving line out by the pool. And they had uh, Jerry Hellman, who was the producer, John Schlesinger, who was the director, John Voigt came by. And two or three other casting people came by, and we were about 35, uh, 35 guys standing out there, all of them from this little local area. And so I fit right in, because uh, in the role was that of a small-town punk, and I had a little bit of experience in that area, <laughs> being from a small town. And also kind of a punk, but not, not so you'd notice. <laughs> I always try to <laughs> keep an eyeball defilade, you know, just <laughs> you know. But I had a, a great time on that, and... Uh, they were coming through this receiving line, and, and they called me out of line and asked me to go take some pictures with John Voight, sizing and color and all that. And so I was standing next to John, and he was sort of standoffish. He didn't know about me being a small-town ruffian kind of guy. So he, he thought I was a real deal, and I was kind of, but I had just graduated from college in theater. None of them knew this. And so... Uh, we were getting our pictures taken together, and I turned to John, and I said, I guess this is a good thing. And he said, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I said, boy, I sure am glad this is my first audition. I just graduated from West Texas State University with a degree in speech and theater, and so I'm really excited. And he says, wait a minute, you're, you're an actor? And I said, yeah. And he says, don't tell anybody, because they don't realize that. They just think you're some teenager that the you know. I said, okay, I won't. So he got to pull one over on him that night for dinner whenever he says, you know the guy you cast? Yeah, he's an actor. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it allowed me to join the Screen Actors Guild when I got back home from the Army from overseas. So uh, it was a great, uh, great, great experience. I worked about 10 days on this show, and I had one line, and it happened in the back of a movie theater, where John Voight was kissing Crazy Annie, that girlfriend that he had, mm-hmm. yeah, Loopy, and so uh, I was in that, and that's where I had my first line. Yeah, I, kissing Crazy Annie, you better drink a whole goddamn drugstore, man. That was my first line. Huh? You still remember it after all this time? Wow. Oh yeah, I wouldn't forget that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and in, in there will be blood. I had one line, and uh, it was. Uh, my line then was, uh, what kind of royalty are you talking about? 
<laughs> wow. So that, that so, uh, that was the bookends in motion, uh, Academy Award winning motion pictures. I was bookended my career. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, what always surprised me, though, is Midnight Cowboy was an X rated movie. Yeah. You know, and, and by, by today's standard, it wasn't. It's not even close to what an X-rated movie is. <laughs> right, 45, 50 years later, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was just... Yeah, I shot that in, uh, I shot it in 68, so it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So then now after you did that role, were you all revved up and ready to, to hit Hollywood and get going? Yes, I was. Yes. But then I, but I had two years to do in the Army. Oh. 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 So I did uh, Midnight Cowboy, and then I went into the Army. And uh, I was stationed uh, at uh, Fort Knox for Armor Officer Basic Training. I was a tank platoon leader on the DMZ in Korea. For a year and a day back in 1969 and 1970. Wow. So uh, that was my uh, combat pay for a whole year there because that was a hot area. They didn't allow uh, any uh, publicity, no uh, outside uh, interviews, no media, no nothing on the DMZ. Hmm. And they see this. Our government didn't want us to want the country to realize we were kind of fighting a war on two fronts. The DMZ was a combat zone, and it was supposed to be a no-fire. All they have now, even today, is just a temporary ceasefire. Yeah. They've never signed an armistice. They've never done any of that other stuff. It's still up in the air. Yeah. Hmm. So they've not been able to 
wrap that up and tie it and get it in a bowl and let those people run their own countries, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> that wasn't to be. So uh, I spent it. As a matter of fact, I had a good friend of mine, well, actually my cousin, Indus Arthur, who is an actress, and uh, she was a distant cousin of mine, and uh, she had, uh, I'd met her several times, and uh, I could only make a phone call from uh, Korea to Los Angeles was by getting a line from where I was stationed down to Seoul, Korea, and then it was easy getting back to the States. But getting from where I was to Seoul, you had to make a uh, reservation to get a phone line out. It it was about two or three weeks ahead of time. So I called, uh, I I sent John Voight a letter. He was in L.A. and I said, would you please call my cousin, tell her that I'm getting trying to get a phone call in and I hope to get her. And he said, "Uh, sure. You know, so he's he he called he uh, sent her he let her know yeah and uh so when i called her she said you'll never guess who called me and said you were gonna call and i said yeah i know she says it's john boy he's nominated for an i mean academy award you know yeah and uh and so she was really excited to hear hear from him and uh and he passed that message on to me wow that's nice of it Years later, when I got out, when I got out of the army, I was I was in Los Angeles, and he was in Los Angeles, and I tracked him down, and uh, we buddied around a little bit for a while, and he was a nice guy, and he went back to uh, went back to the East Coast, and so I didn't see him anymore for a while, but we've stayed in touch over the years, and last time I saw him, he was a big gathering at the uh, the academy for the. Uh, television motion picture arts and sciences and uh, he was over there and he was uh being introduced to a bunch of people in a crowd and then they started to spirit him away and i said don void it's randall carver and he stopped and he turned around and walked back about 20 30 feet and says hi randy how you doing huh so had a big thing so even even 40 some odd years later i could call out my name and he knew who I was and came over and we had a nice visit. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So I've always thought he was just a pretty special guy. Yeah. And then when he got that Academy Award for uh, the motion picture where he played a, a injured uh, injured Vietnam vet, and uh, he won a big award for that. He was nominated for an Academy yeah. Award. Yeah. And I think he won for that. Mm. And uh, it was wonderful that he got to be in that. Yeah. Did your other uh, people in the service with you, did they know that you were uh, uh, this actor who was in a, an Academy Award winning film? Well, the motion picture came out when I was in the Army. Yeah. And so I, got, I saw it on a mil- at, at an Army base at a PX uh, movie house there on, uh, in, in, uh, I think it was in Fort Knox, I saw it. And so uh, I was, uh, it was really, really exciting. And I told a few guys, and they say they recognize me and saw me. Huh. Wow. <laughs> so it was kind of a spree de corps, you know. It's like, wow, we, you know, our our tank commander, our platoon leader is is, is a movie actor. That's, <laughs> and that, that got around. So that, that helped with the morale. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And they were excited, and so it, it made them, it made their life more uh, entertaining and more interesting. Yeah. 
Wow. Because they knew me. And so uh, I always uh, was real happy about that. And my guys were always happier, had better morale. Yeah. Just because of that. It's hmm. very odd, you know. Yeah. And, and one of the little things that I did when I was in Korea, they called me off the DMZ. Uh, see, there are two bridges that go across the Imjim River, which runs along the DMZ in uh, Korea. And uh, I was a, a bridge commander of Libby Bridge. There are two bridges that go across the Imjim River. One of them is very well known as Freedom Bridge. That's when they bring all the people back from Korea that got away, you know. So they, they bring those people back across the border, and that's where they do that, Panmunjom. And this little bridge was about a mile long, and it's a tidal river, and, uh, and it, uh, it was called uh, Libby Bridge. So I was bridge commander uh, one week out of every four weeks uh, for about seven or eight months hmm. on the DMZ there. Yeah. Uh, and I was bridge commander of Levy Bridge. Plus, I had my tank missions. Yeah. yeah. So that was, we were double double worked. If you're an armor officer, you've already been an infantry officer. You have to learn how to do that before you can be a tanker. Right. Yeah. 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 Now, with taxi, how did you come about? Was it a cattle call that you went to uh, for this uh, or what? How did that work out? Well, it, it wasn't a cattle call. They did see everybody in town. And uh, I was the one guy that could make this scene work that they had, in the, that they really liked and, and wanted to be in the in the, in the TV series. Uh, and so uh, that's what uh, that's what I did. I, I had like I had five auditions, and they were for four or five top the top writers and the top executive producers for that series. And uh, I had a number of meetings with them. It stretched out over two weeks, two or three weeks. And by the time I got it, I was almost fed up with it because I had auditioned five times. And the only way I got to screen test was I couldn't get network approval because I hadn't already done another series. But I, you know, a uh, uh, network series. I had done Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so I... I got I got on there because I, I auditioned and helped them audition of another fellow that was going out for uh, Judd Hirsch's role, and he was a fellow actor by the name of Nick Coster, and he just passed away about a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And he was a really fine actor, but I met him over at NBC. We were auditioning at NBC, and they we were auditioning on the Tonight Show stage. So I auditioned for tax, helping them audition this guy as a favor. And because I did that, they saw what I did and how I worked. And that's how they got, I uh, got cast in it. Hmm. Yeah. You know, so it took a thing. And then they rehearsed me that one scene 30 times before I did it for real. And by then it was like, Bonkers! It changed at night. It was, <laughs> it was disillusioned and all that stuff. Wow! Because there's a lot of high intensity stuff going on in that kind of situation. Everybody's vying for their moment in the sun, and they all have their they have their managers and they have their agents. And when they get you get a dozen people trying to get a role, and you have all these other people that are involved in it in your career and stuff. And then it goes on and on and on, you know, it gets them batty too. Yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, they made a decision and I had a really good year that time. 
Yeah. So how was the cast to work with? Uh, I mean, you know, right. what an incredible cast, <laughs> you know, I mean, we all melded really good. It was, it was like, a, well, Mary Lou had worked with uh, Jeff Conaway mm-hmm. in, uh, in, in various, I, mean, I can't think of what she was in. She did some things with uh, him. It, oh, Greece. <laughs> Greece. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. I keep forgetting he was he was started in Greece because I never saw Greece until after I knew Jeff. So uh, he, he he came in on top, you know. Right. And yeah. Yeah. They were lucky to get him because he was a big hit because of that. And so uh, yeah. it was good working with him. He, yeah. He was a, he was a good guy. I got along with Jeff. He was really fine. Yeah. He had some problems mm-hmm. with yeah. injuries that he had had and then gotten addicted to painkillers. Mm. He had had, he had postponed back. So he had injured his back on Broadway and he had a long time to get, it took him a while to get well. And uh, so he had his back injury and they wanted to do surgery. I mean, he didn't want to because he was afraid of the drugs that you have to take for this kind of surgery. Yeah. And if his back was all messed up, I saw, I saw, he, he, he was a lot of fun and, and I enjoyed him. He was pretty well, pretty straight that time, but uh, because of the pain and they did a surgery on him and they botched it. Then they went and did another surgery and they, that didn't come out right. So he had three surgeries on his back in like three or four years. And the, the drugs you have to take when you do go through that, it's just, you know, and he was susceptible to uh, the drugs. Yeah. And it, it got him. He got mm-hmm. him. And he, he didn't, he didn't like it, but it, that's what it was. He had, he had to live that way. Yeah. I saw him uh, on, uh, let's see, I think, I think I saw him on New Year's Day about five months before he passed away. He died on, uh, I think, the 26th of May, and I was born May the 25th. So he died right about my birthday. And I remember seeing him, and he was in a, a assisted, assisted care, and he uh, was there recovering from whatever he's recovering from. And so I got, I got up to hug him, say goodbye. There was about five of us there, four or five people. And I hugged him, and, he's, and I went, oh. Because I felt a, a metal rod outside of his back, Ooh. and he says, uh, "He says, uh, oh, I'll show it to you." And he lifted up his shirt and turned his back to me, and there was his back, and there were stainless steel bars running outside of his body. Wow! With s- screws about the size of your thumber thumb poking out from the skin and these were like screwed and it was like a zigzag across his his spine went like this and this thing went back and forth and clack and i felt bars these bars steel bars outside of his body with the bolts poking through his skin that was attached to this i never knew they did that to you jeez I mean, and I, when I hugged him, it, I went, "Oh!" And he says, "Oh, it's it's okay. I, I don't feel any pain now." Yeah, jeez. Yeah, you're afraid to to touch him. You you don't want to oh, hurt. Yeah, I mean, I just hug him, just give him a little like this. I was easy anyway. But yeah, yeah. I felt iron rods, and he showed them to me. I could not believe it. Wow. That's what they did. They had bars outside, crisscrossing his spine. To keep it aligned so it would try to heal, plus all the medicine that required. Right, yeah, jeez. 
Huh. Well, Mary Lou was a guest here on the show. I had her on. Oh, she was a couple she's years great. back. Yeah, and she's got a memory like you know, <laughs> like oh. it's unbelievable. <laughs> she is. She she remembers stuff that's uh, really odd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's oh. a good girl. I liked her. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, how was Danny DeVito? Danny was great. You know, I really liked him. He he was he was wonderful. I got he I got along with him real well. I went to his and Rhea's. Uh, wedding and uh little they had a house they had rented there and it was pretty modest you know but they they got married their first year on taxi hmm. yeah. he was on. so it, it was really good to be part of his family life and everything as a matter of fact that's the last one of the last times i saw john Voigt was uh, uh up at there uh, on uh, new year's eve the year 2000 danny invited me and my wife to come there and John Voigt was there and there was like maybe two or three hundred of his close personal friends at that time and so uh, I saw I got to see John Voigt there at Danny's house so that was was really really nice Hmm. what's your fondest memory of of being on Taxi or funniest or funniest memory (laughs) whichever well I had I had an experience that was really outstanding because, see, uh, at that time, uh, Andy Kaufman was uh, on the show, and uh, he uh, wanted to do a character on the show. It was Tony Clifton, which was a Vegas lounge singer, not a very good one, and a real irascible load kind of a guy. And and so uh, I got to uh, I got to meet uh, him, and I, I uh, he we were called in and. The producer said, now, Andy Kaufman's not going to be here next week. There's going to be another guy here that's playing his uh, his brother. But it's not Andy. It's a totally another person. You should, and, and you, this person's name is Tony Clifton. You refer to him as Tony Clifton. And he is not Danny, he's, he's not Andy Kaufman. He, he's this Tony Clifton character. So we got in on Monday morning, the first time, and there's this Tony Clifton guy. He's dressed as a Las Vegas lounge singer with gold lame coat, and uh, he's got a wig on, and his face is all different. And and he Andy had come in early and went through makeup for three hours, getting padded in, in this Tony Clifton character. And... We were all introduced to him as a hi, nice to meet you, Tony. There, like that. Everybody just just was acted as though he was a completely different actor, person. Wow. And he wasn't there. Well, that was great. And I thought, well, this if this go if this works, this could be really great. Here's a guy that's doing two roles in one one in one series. And and that would be really good. I thought if it went if that went over, it'd be really unique. And so uh, I, I was looking forward to it. So I, I sent this character. I, I went to went to work the first day, and and that was Tony, and he was pretty good guy. And and but but he by the end of the day he was cussing and cussing people out, and you know being just a horrible kind of guy. But I sent him a telegram to the soundstage for the next day, to Tony Clifton. And I said, and welcome to the show. Looking forward to having a great experience. Uh, Eddie Carver huh. as 
John Burns. That was my character. Yeah. So when I got in that movie, he says, "Who's who's this uh, John Burns guy?" And he says, "Thank you, sir. I got your got your message." And so I thought that was really nice. Well, it comes to, come to find out, Tony Clifton is a horrible actor. He couldn't act his way out of a paper bag, and he would stop and want to change things, and he was just awful. Well, he shows up on Wednesday morning after having been there on Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday, and he walks in with three hookers from uh, Nevada, and he's all dressed up, and he comes in late with these uh, three hookers, and he brought them for the cast. <laughs> so, so, so Tony Danson was all excited about it, and I kind of was too. I was curious about it. But anyhow, uh, <clears throat> he was to be fired that day, and uh, Ed Weinberger, who was one of the executive producers, came in and fired him in front of the whole cast and crew. And he wouldn't leave. Jeez. And so they started yelling and shouting, so they had to call them. <clears throat> and when he showed up that morning, he had brought everybody little uh, uh, little animals that you work with the little uh, buttons, and it's hooked in, it's electric, and they hop around and bark and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we had all the cast members, all of us had a little thing, and we were all playing with it when when Tony shows up that morning and everything, and he sees we gets all these gifts, and we're all happy and stuff. So I still have mine. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it still works, and it has the same batteries in it that uh, Tony Clifton or Andy put in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I still have that in my room, and it's a collector's item now, I guess. Oh, I have sure. a box that came in and a nice little note that Tony Clifton wrote me. So wow. I've got that in some of my memorabilia from Taxi. Yeah. So to say the least, Andy Kaufman was quirky. <laughs> Yes, you could say that. You could you could say that. And, wow. and be accurate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, this is Mark Cuban, and if you love TV, listen to Brian Zemrek and On Screen and Beyond. It's the ultimate television podcast. Now you also were in Man on the Moon, which basically told a story about him, correct? That's right. They had uh, this uh, cast members of Taxi come back, all of them except Tony Danza, who was doing something on Broadway. And so he couldn't get off for it. But uh, we all had a nice uh, two or three days on that uh, movie, and we got to bond again. And when we came in to do that scene, there was a scene that was uh, on the soundstage on Taxi set. Mm-hmm. And when we walked on the set, this was over at Universal Studios. But Paramount was where we shot Taxi. So, but Universal was shooting this, so they had like replicated, and I mean replicated, the exact garage that was in Taxi, wow. and they had recreated it twenty so years later to the little sheets of paper that were notes for people. Wow! On there, and in the cars, in the the van. I mean. All the set, everything is identical. Hmm. Same size, no, wasn't any change the size. Everything was the same color. It was amazing. Wow. You would swear that you were on the same set. You actually were on the same set because they had used the same diagrams and everything. And it was to the, we were all astounded that it was replicated so well. 
the cage that Louie was in, uh, where Andy worked, you know, as a, in the in the mechanic end of things. And so it, it was a really amazing to be there. It, it felt like taxi all over again. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Randall, I know we're going to be running out of time here in a few minutes, but okay. uh, I, I just want to ask you, of all the things that you've worked on in your career, and uh, you know, you've done quite a few things here on TV and movies and on stage and everything, what are you most proudest for? What do you want to re- be remembered for? Well, I did a motion picture called Time to Run. And it was my first lead in a motion picture, and it's the first thing that I had done when I got out of the Army. And uh, I was cast in that movie, and it was a faith-based motion picture. It was uh, done by Worldwide Pictures, which at that time was the film arm of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And so it was a film like that. They did... The movie that I did was Time to Run. They did a film called To a Penny with Cliff Richards, who is a star over in England, mm-hmm. singer. Yes, oh yeah. And he was in that. And uh, Kim Darby did, had done one before, uh, a, a film. And then they did uh, the Corey Ten Boom for The Hiding Place with Julie Harris. It was nominated for a couple of Academy Awards. And they got, they got enough money off my movie to shoot that one. So it was a lead, and it was about a young guy that's uh, having trouble trying to find his faith, and uh, he does some things and runs away from home, and he has a girl. But anyhow, it was kind of a time to run was kind of like my rebel without a savior. (laughs) It was that kind of motion picture. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and so I was uh, really blessed with that. And I got to, got to travel and meet a lot of people. Whenever the film came out, I went to about a dozen different places across the country. And it showed around the world. It was dubbed in about uh, a dozen, to yeah, about a dozen languages. And so it was really quite a nice thing for me to do. And I felt really good about doing that. So because of my faith, you know, I, I really love being in that. It yeah. was really... I mean, I, I figured, you know, I've been in town three years, in Hollywood for three years, and I figured I'd, I'd, I'd peaked already. <laughs> I, I, I had a few bucket list things. Back then, they didn't call it the bucket list. They just call it a list of stuff, and I wanted to star in my own movie, star in a TV. So I'd hit some big buckets my, on my bucket list. Yeah. That was one of them, to star in a motion picture. Yeah. Wow. The first great motion picture. Yeah. And um, just a quick note here. I, I wanted to, this is something that takes us beyond your, uh, you know, your acting, your, your TV and stuff. But uh, you were in a music video with uh, John Cougar Man- Mellencamp, correct? Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. Walk tall. Yeah. yeah. Wow. How, how did, yeah, is yeah. that a thing that, did he know you or did they just <laughs> hire you because they knew of you or? Well, they, they, I, I auditioned and uh, it was uh, my, it was my first, uh, and only a video, a movie, I mean, a music, song video. Music video, yeah. Music video. And uh, and I always liked uh, those montages that they did for those things, you know, and so I really liked that. Yeah. Huh. Well, Randall, I want to finish up with one final question. Yes, sir. What is it? Taking us away from all the things that you've done, 
When you sit down and watch TV or movies, what's your favorite movies and TV shows now and of the past? What do you enjoy watching? Well, I like certain uh, situation comedies. I I like I like that uh, thirty minute program and with humor in it. And I I got into this because I love the sound of uh, human laughter, mm-hmm. and I love having people laugh at the stuff I do. And it seems to be an an involuntary human response to something they've seen, and that is laughter. And it's always kind of a surprise thing. And I always thought that if I could get a laugh, then then that was the best thing I could ever give somebody. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it goes right straight to the individual in their day, how they're having a day, and what the, what I can do to bring a little levity and joy to them in the form of a human laugh. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what I love. That's when I heard when I was in plays in college. In high school in the summer, I would uh, do plays and stuff. And that was the thing. I remember the first one I did, it was a play called uh, The Man That Came to Dinner. And it was a famous uh, play, and it was a good motion, great motion picture by Kaufman and Hart. And it's hilarious. Yeah. And uh, I was in that, and I walked in the middle, in, at, the, at the beginning of the third act, I walked in there, and I was supposed to play a fellow that was inebriated fellow by the name of Burt Jefferson, which is the local writer, you know, mm-hmm. newsman there in this local little town, that this character, Sheridan Whiteside, the man that came to dinner, was was visiting. And uh, I just love that. When I heard, heard that laughter, and it was rolling, and it was a seat, you know, about three or 400 people all at once. When I came in, and I didn't, I don't even think I'd had a line at that point, but I was just walking drunk, and uh, I just loved it. They just, yeah. They, there was some nonverbal communication that was happening that was something special. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so that's what I like to do, and I, I, I enjoy the older shows. Uh, you know, my wife and I always watch Golden Girls, and we now we're now now we're that age, and we're like looking looking at each other. <laughs> <laughs> and we really, we really love that show. We love uh, anything with the laughter to it. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. If if it's got some laughs in it, I want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Randall, I, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to join us here and share the stories of your journey into the world of uh, acting and everything. And I thank you so much. Well, thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy doing these things. If you want me to come back, I'll do it. Sounds good. (laughs) Okay. And a big shout-out going out to Randall Carver for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. Randall, of course, like I said, was one of the original cast members of Taxi. 45 years ago, that show was released. And uh, it's a lot of fun to hear about uh, the things that went on and the people he worked with. And, of course, Midnight Cowboy. I didn't know he was in there. Of course, he had a small part in that. That was the first role he ever had. So, uh, you know, go watch the movie again and uh, catch up on that and see him. So, hope you enjoyed that one. We have a whole lot more coming your way here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, if you have a suggestion for me, you can send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. I will see what I can do about getting that person on. And like I said, the merchandise is coming. I'm hoping to get that out so people can. Uh, people are wondering and asking me, you know, are they going to be able to get something by uh, the uh, holiday seasons? Uh, and uh, 
uh, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping this is this is going through a third party. Um, I'm designing everything and getting everything up there and designing the website part of it and all that. But they're going to be handling all the merchandise. So. Uh, Somebody else will be handling that, but they say that the, they get the stuff out very quickly. So uh, that'll be coming your way just, you know, hopefully this week. I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll see. And uh, like I say, we got a lot more guests coming your way. So I hope you're going to be uh, keep listening to On Screen and Beyond. If you are new to On Screen and Beyond and you're listening for the first time, I hope that uh, you've enjoyed this and you can go back. We have over 650 episodes in the past of some great and amazing people telling their stories. So I hope you'll check those all out, download them all, tell a friend about On Screen and Beyond, get the word out, get it moving along. If you're on any of the socials, uh, Facebooks or uh, Twitter or X or whatever they call it, and uh, also on uh, Instagram, We've got a presence there, so you can follow us, and I hope you'll get involved with us there. And also, like I say, if you want to email me, feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com is the place to go. And that's it. That's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. <laughs>